You're listening to Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince. Every two weeks, they give their thoughts on movies, TV, and anime. as the next Bruce Wayne slash Batman for Tim Burton's Rebirth, which released in 89. There was no internet upon which to spew our collective disapproval of this casting choice. However, voices were heard nonetheless. Even going back that far, we, not just as comic book enthusiasts, but fans of cinema, felt invested in the character. This is despite the fact that we hadn't seen him portrayed with live actors for decades, not since the live-action 60s-era television show. There's a reason why we have our favorite Joker, our least favorite Superman, and an ongoing crush on just about every Wonder Woman portrayed on TV and in film. For many of us, we've had these characters in our lives since a very young age. Long before we made the leap from picture book to comic book, we watched hundreds of hours of DC superheroes in animated form. Long before we made the leap from animated TV show to live action film, we became invested in these characters. This is why people were in an uproar about Mr. Mom donning the cape and cowl, and it's the reason many have spoken out against the current DC Extended Universe. And today we're going to do just that, as well as touch on the television shows affectionately dubbed the Berlantiverse, as well as a handful of recent animated films and TV shows. So buckle in for a massive conversation about the brave men and women in tights and capes, as well as the squad of villains who tried their damnness to show us how it's supposed to be done. Also in this episode, we have a guest co-host joining Vince and I. He isn't new to podcasting, not even podcasting with us. Folks who've listened to our retired comic book and former podcast will remember Marty from All Comics Considered, the podcast that he hosts. So Marty, thank you very much for accepting my invite. Hey man, as long as those checks keep coming in, I'll show up whenever you need me to. So like, I'm all down for that. It's going to be sent at the same time as I get the pen from the White House. (laughs) <laughs> that's an inside joke a you exchange don't... rate thing so yes. it might take a while it might take a while now oh, yeah when i my sent... favorite thing about having marty here is marty you've said on all comics considered part of your mission statement is that you guys try to be positive about everything so aggressively <laughs> so you haven't discussed these topics at very much length whereas now tonight the shackles are off oh yeah so <laughs> I, when I sent out the quote-unquote show notes I, to the guys, I was essentially saying, listen, I'm going to be bringing all of these up. We don't necessarily have to delve into each one of them, but there's a lot of them. And even at that, I didn't include everything. Now, for the movies, we're going to primarily stick to the Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and Suicide Squad. And then on the TV side, we're looking at, again, the Berlantiverse of Arrow, Flash, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, and Supergirl. We can also touch on briefly Gotham and Constantine and, and even Hell Powerless that just started if we want. And then on the animated side, there's the Justice League Dark that just came out recently, which I fucking adored. There was also Batman the Killing Joke, which I did not adore. Um, there's a new animated series that started recently, Justice League Action, 
I don't know if you guys caught that, but it's actually not too bad. There's Batman no. Bad Blood that came out not that long ago, 2016 as well. That was pretty good. Justice League versus Teen Titans. And the best one, Lego Batman. <laughs> that is... On my very, very short list of movies to go watch. Spectacular. So. And then we're going to touch on some of the stuff that's coming soon. So let's start with the movies. Now, Marty had brought up a while back, we had almost done it. You were going to do same as you've done before. And Vince and I have done it as well. A commentary while the movie's playing kind of thing. And yeah. we never got around to doing it, but I did rewatch the extended versions of Man of Steel, Batman V Superman and Suicide Squad to prep you for this. poor masochistic bastard. <laughs> Glutton for punishment. When you first talked about doing this episode, I went, okay, but I'm not watching those movies again. <laughs> Motherfucker, you know how many bad things you made me read during Comic Book Informer? <laughs> but here's the thing. If you had already read those bad comics, I would not have expected you to reread them. But you didn't watch the extended versions of these. I'm positive of that. I, you're absolutely right. So then you should have watched the extended versions of each to prep for this. Uh, what what I'm for. saying is I'm disappointed in you. Is what it boils down what to. What else is new? <laughs> It's officially a I'm meeting expectations. <laughs> so, well, let's start off with Man of Steel. First one, obviously. So, and we're, we're going to be pretty loosey-goosey here and bouncing all over the place. And same for you guys. Feel free to bounce between movie TVs, whatever you want to kind of thing. Because we have to. We're not going to be delving into each one in minute detail because that's just going to be hair-pulling if we, we go that route. But Man of Steel was... The rebirth into the new DCEU, essentially, directed by Zack Snyder and with uh, Henry Cavill, Cavill as Superman. And I, I, I've watched it only twice now because I watched it the first time and then I watched the extended version. And it's one What's of those the things between the regular and the extended version, like what scenes are new. Oh, I didn't. No, 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 no. We're not going that deep in because I did not take those fucking notes. I, it was bad enough I had to watch it. No, I don't. <laughs> I will say this, though. In each case for each of the three, the extended versions did, in fact, make the movies make more sense because the movies really have so many problems in terms of, of the script. So many problems. So... It made it make sense. However, it didn't make it better. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. And that's what oh. I found, especially with Man of Steel. You're watching it and it's like I could see when the, the certain scenes were in that I, I didn't remember from the original. And, and it kind of made sense for what was happening. It just, it just wasn't good. It just didn't make it any better kind of thing. <laughs> being dumb and sensible isn't that much better than just being dumb. <laughs> yeah, sensible and longer, yeah. So, okay, Marty, what did you actually think of that reboot? First time you saw it? Oh, God. I, a lot so of press about it, it, too, and, and, and like a lot of excitement to a certain degree because it was a reboot of it, new actor. Mm-hmm. What did you no. think when you saw it? When I saw it, uh, here, here's the thing, um, and I'm going to jump back real quick to the upcoming. We're still going to do this, like, Raz track on the extended version of Bat versus Superman. Um, but I needed to stock up on the booze in my house because I'm not watching that with anything less than a brand new bottle of scotch that I have earned. Um, and I had been, I've been pulled, you know, getting rid of some books so that I can actually like 
buy some more liquor, um, which is why I'm totally ready for tonight and going to do that show soon. Um, when we first watched... I am not doing it with together, you. Don't even think of asking me to join you for that. <laughs> oh, if I had... Well, no, if I had... If I gotten you that pen from the White House, I totally could have, but... Um, but did you? Oh, God, there is no, no place... Dude, there was... It was immaculate. There was no place to get a pen, a pencil, like... I was afraid that if I reached across to even touch an ornament that someone would have ratted on me. In the new White House, I don't think they even have pens, but in the uh, Obama <laughs> White House, it was immaculate. They so have crayons all They're in the those. drawer with all the light switches. <laughs> <laughs> they're in the drawers with with the menus from like Chuck E. Cheese <laughs> and crayons. <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese and like whatever, you know, some paper, some Russian papers and some, uh, you know, yeah. we're going to. Okay, gonna let's stop. go back to Man of Steel. I thought, okay, I can't even be, I can't even agree with Tim on this. And Tim loved the, from All Comics Considered, he loved the visuals. And he loved, like, the whole super science slash science fantasy aspect that was Krypton. And I'm like, that isn't how I remembered Krypton whenever I've seen it. Um, There was nothing about this movie that I enjoyed. Uh, There was nothing fun about it. Cavill pulls off the look. But... Mike Clark Kent um, is from the, you know, animated adventures of Superman, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. my Superman. So this guy, I don't know who hell, who the hell he thinks he is, but uh, I think we all agreed on our show, um, Tea Party Superman kind of sucks, and we don't want anything to do with him. Um, there, was, there was nothing exciting about it. Like, there was nothing that made it, uh, you know, a good Superman movie. If you... They can make it if you change it and say it's not a Superman movie, but it's like, I don't know, a Hyperion movie. If you make it a Superman who kills, okay, that's great. But if you violate the fundamental core of what we understand our modern Superman to be, don't throw at me the whole, well, in the 1940s, Superman killed bad guys all the time. This ain't the 1940s anymore. Our Superman grew up, and that's more interesting. Um, I hated this movie with a passion from Pa Kent saying, yeah, don't, don't help people because then you people will look at you and fear you. And we don't want that for you. And let me, let me go sacrifice myself and let you, you know, I know you could save the day, but let me go die in front of you, son. Let me make sure that you understand what sacrifice looks like. That movie drove me up the goddamn wall. It was awful. I hated it. There's nothing redeeming about it except for the fact that at one time it ended. Okay, let's back up just to <laughs> one of the things that you – well, actually a couple of things. But how important was it for you then for the movie to follow fairly closely in the footsteps of the comic book? And and, and not just for this movie but in terms of just basically how you feel about comic book adaptations, um, whether we're talking about like the Daredevil or, or Luke Cage or yeah. anything on Netflix or movies. How important is it for you that they follow the 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 script essentially for what these characters are in the comics? You know, if you're going to – if the way to answer that for me is like if you're going to like put a, a Superman movie that is a comic onto screen, um, then you should follow it. But I'm not going to be clamoring for that fidelity so much. There are certain things that I want, like Ma and Pa Kent, to be good people. Um, 
for Clark Kent to be a good person, um, for Superman to really struggle with his identity and how he knows he's superpowered, or to quote the Justice League, you know, he lives in a world made of cardboard. Um, that's the Superman that I think should be uh, clung to fiercely because that's what's interesting. Um, that's what makes him the character. As long as you stick to the character, I don't care if he's like the fifth son of Krypton or if he's, you know, bounced around the foster care system until and he was raised with Lex Luthor for a little bit until Ma and Pa Kent came to rescue him from the awful foster care system, which while I would have a problem with that, given what I do for a living, like that would be that would be fine as long as we get the Clark Kent, the, the Superman that makes that character interesting, you know? It's like to tie it into the, the second season of Daredevil to to showcase this. When you have Matt Murdock fuck up in court all the time, um, now you have the problem of this guy's supposed to be the best lawyer, like one of the greatest lawyers in the world. Why is he such garbage? Um, that type of character destruction makes it not the the character that you want to see. So it's not necessarily the storyline that's got to be, you know, clung to, but definitely the roots of the character, the stuff that makes it interesting and makes it that character should be. So that's my, that's my primary beef. I find that, you know, Superman is not, um, like Superman ends, ends man of steel with a threat, you know, like, Screw up and I'm going to destroy you is, is what the implication was at the end of that movie from the regular edition. We didn't watch the extended edition. We couldn't we could not get Nick <laughs> drunk enough to watch the extended edition. Um, but that's my that's my take on it. Like, I don't care if you you know, it's like um, when they retcon part of uh, Hulk's origin story to include Tony Stark. Not a problem because it's still the same. There's 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 some changes, but it doesn't blow up the character. Like making Pa Kent a dick bag changes too much. So I have no interest in that. If I wanted to go see Hyperion, I'd go ask Chuck Wendig to write the, the script for it. You know, like I just don't, it doesn't appeal. Vince, what about you? This is something that I've had to wrestle with because upon first viewing, I was fairly forgiving of Man of Steel. Like, uh, I'm with Tim on this. Like, I really enjoyed a lot of the visual stuff, a lot of the flair. Like, I think Zack Snyder gave it, gave it like, a great scope of, like, the breadth of what Superman can do with his powers because, well, let's be honest, it's the first Superman movie that's been made with modern special effects that could show off a lot of that cool stuff. And I didn't exactly praise it, but... I was hopeful about a lot of the storytelling that now we see as missteps, but a, as a as a first chapter of an interesting story, because, sorry, Marty, I give zero fucks about Superman as a character, never mm -hmm. appealed to me. Right. So taking it in a different direction of, okay, he fucked up pretty bad in this movie. He made a lot of mistakes. A lot of people died either because of his inaction or at his very hands. And I felt that was an interesting possibility for showing the growth of a character into being the Superman that people know and love and respect today. But in retrospect, having not gone that direction, then a lot of the choices that were made in Man of Steel just feel very hollow and 
not worth it. So like the over time, I've liked this movie less and less. So like now, I, I, I still don't hate it, but I'm very apathetic about it. Yeah. See, I can point blank say hate is a little strong, but dislike hate immensely. Immensely. <laughs> it's not here. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just really, I did not like it at all. And that was the same in, in for both viewings. Um, the second one, the second one, I disliked it even more. Again, it, it made more sense. Maybe it was because <laughs> I was watching longer and <laughs> just kind of <laughs> compounded. But because... Again, when you're when you're watching a comic book show a lot of the time, especially for people like us that are really into this kind of thing, regardless of our background in terms of how many comic books we've read and our affinity for the characters, I know that myself, I am able to let it go and let's just see what happens with this interpretation of Superman or Batman or, or whatever. I prefer when they stick to certain core concept, character concepts, certainly, but I'm willing to kind of let it go so long as the character remains interesting. And unfortunately, Cavill just was not interesting. And this is funny because it's something that literally today, somebody I followed on Twitter posted a meme of Superman and saying people bitch that he never smiled and he smiled 30, I think it said 39 times. It's like... <laughs> Really? You counted? Because if you're sitting down counting how many times somebody smiles, they're really not smiling a lot or for a long time, okay? <laughs> right. That's a, that's a oh. something right there. you got to be able to see that. And I found that he was way too moody, like way mm-hmm. too moody, and you really didn't care for him. And then when you throw in the back history with, obviously, Kevin Cosner playing his old man and those read ridiculous, absolutely stupid scenes where he's telling him not to do anything. And especially like, like Marty, you were saying with the, the tornado, <laughs> I'm willing to believe a lot of shit just to get into the mm-hmm. mind frame of a movie and enjoy it. I'm watching a movie with a man in fucking tights flying around. All right. I can, I can suspend disbelief here for a while, but as a parent and as a son, <laughs> that scene, I'm watching it and it's like there is quite literally no instance whatsoever where I can imagine that he would let his father die and just watch right. it knowing that he could do something and that he could do it in a blink of an eye and nobody would see anyways. Exactly. So there were too many exactly. things like that throughout the entirety of the film. And then you have the wanton destruction at the end. And that was actually increased as well in the extended version. It seemed to go (laughs) on forever. And I mean, it was bad in the normal one. I don't know how many minutes they extended and maybe it was my imagination. And just by that point, I'm going, holy fuck, this really does keep going forever because it does the, the, the destruction was quite literally there just to shock people, which to a certain degree, fine, because that's part of your job as a a director that you want to shock your audience and and all that. But there's a point where it goes beyond that. And it's just, again, wanton destruction for the sake of blowing buildings up. There's just, there's no reason why 
the fight would have continued in Metropolis. First of all, because it's not like he's a brand new superhero at that point, relatively, but mm-hmm. still, there's common sense of drag him the fuck out of town somehow. Like it's it, you can't blame it on him being new, and you can't you can't blame it on a story element, at least for me. But you can blame it on director choices and cinematic choices when filming it. So that takes you right out of the story then and you're criticizing the choices that the creators made, not the characters. And that's a big one. Mm -hmm. And that's what I found. Like, again, the movie as a whole, A, boring as fuck. Like, really? And the extended is even more boring. Just plain boring. It felt like a lot of the actors were even just calling in their performances and it really just didn't matter. And part of that I'm certain was again, director trying to get everybody to have a certain feel so that it is a more somber movie kind of thing. But what winds up happening is that there's no uplifting moments to speak of. There's no moments where you're like, you're actually cheering for these characters. Even at least for me, it was constantly looking at your watch and saying, when the fuck is this going to be over? Right. You know, so Zod shows up. He's been on Earth for, what, a couple of hours, a couple of days, tops. Clark's been here for a long time. He, the fact that, like, all of a sudden Zod gets full command of his powers because he's a military genius or whatever the fuck. Yeah, it didn't work. Also, like, a military genius that got beat by a scientist. I'm just going to put that out there. Like, that's just... I'm having a lot of issues with it. And, like, Superman isn't even my favorite character, right? Like, I quite literally have Captain America's shield tattooed on my arm, and I just commissioned my first piece of a dare, of Daredevil art from somebody. So, like, I bleed Marvel, but Superman for me was a huge thing because uh, with when it came to the, you know, Batman the Animated Series. Like, like uh, Roger, I agree with you 100%. Kevin Conroy is my Batman. Like 100%. Um, Superman, that's my Superman. The Justice League, Justice League Unlimited. Yeah. Like Marvel's animation studios, even to this day, even when they're dumping all this money into like making it a better animation studio, doesn't even come close to my feeling for Batman the Animated Series. And I don't even care for Batman that much. <laughs> so like Superman, meh. Batman, man, when you talk about the animated stuff, my heart goes pitter-patter. But this movie was just, you know, when I want to show my nephew or my niece a superhero movie and I want to show them, like, why Superman can be awesome, it's not going to be Zack Snyder's, oh, hell no. you know, show. It's going to be – it's gross. And I, I also – and maybe I'm reading way too much into it, but Devin Faraci wrote this piece about how Zack Snyder and um, some of the executive producers behind the movie are very much Randian type people, right? Like they're all about uh, objectivism and this, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of garbage that is throughout the movie, coded throughout the movie. And like, that's not Superman. That's not how it works on the farm. You know, the Amish get together, they raise a barn together. That's their big party, and they all work together. Superman turning his back on his dad because of a patriarchal value system? Oh, come on. No, 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 no. There's no way Clark Kent lets that happen. None. He takes his lumps with it. That's right there, a fundamental misunderstanding of who Superman is. Like, change what, a lot of whatever you want to do, 
But if you don't get the core concept of the character, I mean, that's, again, why the second season of Daredevil is nowhere near good as the first. You miss out on a core concept of the character. You are no longer that character. It, um, it's funny because yeah. you've brought it up a few times, justifiably, too, that that fucking scene <laughs> with his father and the tornado is the, oh, my God, your mother's name is Martha as well of Man of Steel. Because it is a pivotal moment in the story that you can see how Snyder, as well as the people who wrote the script and things like that, probably thought this is the turning point in the character, that it's going to be incredibly impactful for the audience and all of these things, when all it did was draw us completely out of the story. Because, again, you're looking at this and thinking, he was like an orphan, not for very long, but he was an orphan, brought back and raised by Mom Pa Kent. He understands the loss of his parents, he understands right. losing his birth parents and what that means to him. And they, they talk about that briefly in the movie as well and the impact that it's had on him. So him letting this father die, bullshit. It's just it's just right. that line in the sand that there's no way this could happen. And so, I mean, you can say, oh, yeah, it would, it wouldn't. It's our choice. I mean, it doesn't change a fact. It just cannot it just wouldn't happen like that and and again it's that martha moment that the movie spins on that and then from that point on at least for me completely out of it constantly looking at my watch which then again as you're then going into the clusterfuck of destruction in metropolis it's a constant sigh after sigh and eye roll of come on just just be done with this bullshit because Again, from that moment on, it just fails. It, for all its flaws in Age of Ultron, we see the Avengers literally spending time evacuating the entire evacuating the city. Right? Yeah. We see them being heroes. There is nothing heroic about two super powered, super ego dudes fighting. There's well, nothing heroic about that. That's see, just macho bullshit. This leads right into Batman v Superman, where very beginning of the show is Bruce in Metropolis, because Metropolis and Gotham are like a commute away from each other nowadays. They're across <laughs> a bay. Across a bay. So yeah. and Bloodhaven's in between. Yeah. That's you know. But it, it's this idea of exactly like you said. City is coming down on top of people, and Bruce, who has been Batman for a while now, helps a few people, but for the most part, he is just running through. He has his goal of getting to his building, stops to help a few people and a kid, which was just for optics, let's be honest. <laughs> but there's no really helping evacuate the city, no working to save people there's just disdain for for superman so it opens with as weak a premise as as what we saw in in man of steel as well you know so i still haven't seen it because uh i literally had no scotch in my house for like a year because i was trying to you know i bought too many comics and well uh, you saw comics or Video games. Hmm? You saw the movie though, Batman v Superman. No, I don't. I, I, I are you kidding me? Man of Steel. 
That's how much I hated Man of Steel, dude. Oh, my God. I could not watch it. I know. I thought you'd watch. Get the fuck off the podcast. What the hell's wrong with you? (laughs) This is, but this is, but this is my point. Like, I've watched Man of Steel. Um, I've watched, I'm big in the Berlanti verse. I would wax on philosophical about how we've had up to what I've seen an hour's worth of screen time of Berlanti Superman. Infinitely superior to oh, yeah. anything yeah. that has been done with uh, the Snyderverse. Yeah. Um, and I don't have a problem with Green Batman. I don't. Like, yeah, last season's ending was really, really weak, but I don't have a problem with that. Um, when it comes to Batman versus Superman, if I want to watch that that movie, uh, which is like one part Dark Knight Returns, one part, you know, The Fountainhead, um, I'm going to have to indulge in a, in a hell of a lot of illegal substances and uh, as an officer of the court I can't do that anymore so I'm going to have a viewing of that and uh, you guys are both invited <laughs> no um, no I no might fuck even you be doing it I might even try to get it at, a, at some office in Chicago that is famous for some board games um, but the fact is this like if Man of Steel is the cornerstone of this new Batman universe of this new DC universe and they can't get Superman right. And like, let's also, let's also go back to the year 2003 um, where one Ben Affleck becomes daredevil. That was a train wreck. Um, I haven't forgiven him for that. I don't care what, I don't care about Argo. (laughs) He did daredevil in 2003. That's a grudge that I continuously (laughs) renew. I'm actually Hmm. glad you brought that up because it it made me think about a, a, it may, reminded me of a thought I've had for a while now, and that's comparing, you know, the Marvel produced Marvel films to, let's be honest, the rest of superhero movies, be it Marvel or DC, what have you. And the thing is, the Marvel Studios productions, the people who run Marvel Studios care about portraying the characters properly. Right. The people who run Fox or Sony don't care, and that's why you get daredevils and fantastic fours and occasionally a uh, sam raimi spider-man because they accidentally hired a director that gave a crap uh, right <laughs> and, right as well as with warner brothers warner brothers sees dc and everything it has to offer as merely licensing mm-hmm. warner brothers has nobody in the corporate hierarchy cares about the dc brand and portraying it they just care about the amount of money it can make so the ben affleck daredevil is the perfect comparison because fox didn't care about marvel fox just cared about getting something that they paid for a license out in the theaters and making money off of it and that's why i think we're seeing the shoddy quality as far as how these characters are being portrayed because nobody in charge of the movies really cares and then the people who they do put in there that care care about the wrong things, like the, right. the Zack Snyder's, like Christopher Nolan, fantastic filmmaker, doesn't give a fuck about Batman. He just made a, a cool movie that happened to have this guy wearing, you know, a costume, or uh, uh, what's his name, David Ayer, amazing director. I don't think he really cares about making a Suicide Squad movie, which we'll get to later. So it's. It, it's it's a problem from the top, and I, I don't think Warner Brothers is ever going to bother trying to fix that problem. You know, what's hitting me is that uh, last night, uh, 
during one of our playtest sessions, my good friend Will was telling me that uh, some of the stuff about the upcoming Logan movie, um, the Fox executives were like, um, they're, they're watching the daily shots. And they're like, so there's guys getting stabbed in the head. And the director's like, yeah, that's, that's the movie I pitched you. That's Logan. <clears throat> and they keep going and going and going with this. Like, I don't know if we're going to be able to release it like this. And so they did the test trailer and then they did the test audiences. And the, the uh, executives were completely stunned that the comic book fans were like, hell yes, that's what we wanted to see since, you know, the Wolverine. That's what we wanted to see since Wolverine Origins, which... Let's talk. I mean, that's an, just an, another awful, awful example of of not getting the property right. Um, when it comes to DC, though, like what blows my mind, we could talk about whatever movie or Berlantiverse or whatever, but the Warner Brothers animated studio stuff, except for I think it was Justice League War, which I I did not care for. Yeah, it wasn't. Um, good. They're just amazing, like. You, you know what? Batman vs Superman was better. Was amazing, and I think it's in the their first team up movie, right? Where mm-hmm. and it's the classic scene where, you know, the airplane's coming down, Superman catches it, and the wing tears off because of you know sheer forces and whatnot. And Superman says, "Way to go, Clark!" Right then and there, you know that this is the movie that gets it, like right there. And how they uh, just <laughs> that movie right there. Perfection. You need to see the them together. You is... need to see them together in the Lego Batman, though. <laughs> That's oh, even I better. Totally no, you're totally right. <laughs> Lego Batman's on my list of movies to go watch. But like, when you told me this is what we're gonna talk about, I'm like, this is awesome because I don't understand. Like, why is there such a wide gulf between animation, TV? And movie, and yes, I get it. They're all three separate mediums. They're all three separate ways of doing business, and they're they're also three separate different. branches of production, is where and it is. They're also, depending on what you read, three separate layers of hell for certain people. Like it's just, I get it. There's a gulf there, but come on, man, you've got access to some of the greatest original stories and variations of classic stories ever told. But you I think should that be able to get it right. You should. But a lot of the problems, like Vince was saying, too, is from the top down, not from yep. the bottom. So it's not the people who wrote the script necessarily. In some cases, yeah, it will be. But it's not them. It's it, in some cases not even the director. Ayer had a lot of things to say about how Suicide Squad was changed and what that meant to the movie. But the problem is, is that. You have all of these higher-up producers and executive producers who have no fucking clue about these properties that just Mm -hmm. care about putting certain key things in the film. I keep going back to um, uh, Kevin Smith has told the story repeatedly about – which one was it? It might have been Superman that he was working on. And one of the producers wanted him to put a fucking giant spider in it. (laughs) <laughs> and he was like, "Why? it doesn't make sense. Why? It doesn't matter. Fiercest creature in the animal kingdom for their size and this and that. And it was just completely clueless. And then he talks about later on, because that Superman movie was not made. There's a fantastic documentary about that, by the way. Um, the, he went on to produce, be one of the producers on Wild Wild West. What's at the end of Wild Wild West? Giant fucking mechanical spider. So, like, these are, are decisions that are me, being made from a very high level that 
the creators then are like, oh, for fuck's sakes, are you kidding me? I have to do mm-hmm. this, and it just does not work. And there's a lot of that in Batman v Superman. So, like, that one there, as much as I hated Man of Steel, I would watch Man of Steel again over Batman v Superman <laughs> a couple of times. <laughs> Like, it, like yeah. you're talking about problems with characters not being who they are in the, in the comics. Batman is straight up murdering people. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. a lot of people, too, not just a couple. Like, he is straight up murdering people. And it just uh, doesn't work. It's one of those very key fundamentals where you can beat the shit out of someone as Batman, but... Once you start doing some of the shit that he's doing, that's like, well, what's the point of calling him you, Batman? You mean like lighting up their SUVs with the machine guns mounted yep. on your plane? Yeah, <laughs> I won't shoot a gun from my hand, but shooting it from the car? Legit, I'm allowed to do that. <laughs> Said so in the script. I did not pull the trigger. Like, it, and it's not even like, okay, Batman kills people. Like, the way it was shot and edited, like, it was malicious. Oh, God, yeah. Like, that part during the chase where he, like, hooks that one car and drags it around town. Like, it was, well, the entire like, I felt bad watching it. It was like watching a snuff film at some point. The entire branding thing. Like, yeah. that he is so vindictive and malicious that he's going to brand people like cattle. And the other thing about the branding is they make a big deal out of it's the kiss of death once they're in prison. Why? Why would other criminals care yeah. that this criminal was branded by Batman? What What is prompting them to want to kill him yeah, like, for hey, Batman? Batman rest of you too? Hey, same with me. Yeah, fuck that guy. Hey, let's go hang out and talk. Like, yeah, right. It just, <laughs> let's, make a, let's make a legion of doom because we all have the same awful brand. Yeah, it just like, did not make yeah. sense. And it was, again, they made a big deal about that uh, at the beginning of the, the, the film. And you're like, what, why? It doesn't make sense. It just does not make sense. And then you wind up having all of the flashbacks which the transition was so bad that in many cases you don't realize you're in a flashback until there's that key moment and you're like, oh, okay, he's fucking dreaming or at the keyboard. Or if you're keyboard. in a flashback inside of a dream sequence inside of a time travel Eggs, montage. It's like an inception, <laughs> a, an injustice inception at one point. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? Because that whole, that moment that you're talking about where he's fell asleep at the fucking keyboard because Batman, of course, he's going to fall asleep at the keyboard. Um, that flashback scene was straight out of injustice, but it made no sense for the rest of the movie. It literally made no fucking sense at all for the rest of the movie. Why, why, why the flash would appear and warn him, but more so than that, how did he do it from within a dream? How did the flash... (laughs) Enter himself into Bruce's dream to warn him about Superman. Because at that point, apparently, Batman had not even known about the Flash. So it's not like he's daydreaming about the Flash. He hasn't even fucking heard about this guy. So now, all of a sudden, the Flash is inserting himself into Bruce's dream to warn him about injustice. And it was like, what the fuck just happened? Entire scene made no sense whatsoever. First of all, like a guy like Batman as established, I don't know, 
everywhere worries and thinks and plots and plans because that's one of his that's his key one of his key powers right he's he's a thinker he's a planner he can think on his feet but he can also come up with these pretty elaborate plans like i will point to tom king's excellent batman series right now to as as evidence to that you don't think he's going to pay attention to reports about a speedster somewhere it doesn't matter where wayne corporation is the largest privately held corporation in dc or it has been at certain points in time in dc history he's not gonna pay attention to this shit come on that's just garbage well it's when just- he's opening up the folders he has no clue what's going on when he's looking at the all of the stuff which apparently lex can dig up no problem Lex even paid for the branding to create the logos for these other people (laughs) to put on the folders. (laughs) That's how much money Lex has. Like, don't worry about branding, guys. I took care of it for you. (laughs) You are now the Flash. (laughs) I thought Lightning Boy for a bit, but I think Flash is snappier. So I thought thought Lightning Boy. Now you're the Flash. It it could have worked. Uh, And that, of course, leads to, again, casting choices. Eisenberg as Lex. Again, a lot of people have tried to forgive it and say, ah, it was different. It was all right. It was one of the worst things in the film, which is saying a lot for this film. Not but just the thing. what I they did with the- him. Oh, I can. He, he played the role that was written for him perfectly, mm-hmm. but he was given the worst fucking script to work with. It's not just the script, though. It's how he portrays the character, too. Like, it, once I, again, it's... I think he embodied that vision of Lex perfectly. It's just, it's a terrible yeah, I vision. I, I thought it was horrible. I, I thought his performance was mm. horrible. And every scene he was in was groan-worthy, like, cringing some of them. You're like, oh, God, that was horrible. It was just... I, I don't disagree. <laughs> but again, and I, I... despise Lex, but I can't blame Eisenberg for it. Eh, you could do a better Lex. You can definitely do a Lex that oh, yeah. makes sense, but this was just... Superman Returns because Kevin Spacey was fucking awesome. Yeah. Right. Um, here's the thing. We have seen now, like, two, uh, two you know... In terms of character development, in terms of actual characterization, complete failures from from uh, Warner Brothers. Suicide Squad was a commercial success, but I blah. Um, and now we're going to be jazzed about Wonder Woman. Like they don't have the credibility in my book. To I'm terrified for the Wonder Woman movie. Mm-hmm. I saw the trailer and I'm like, oh, okay. Actually, early uh, reports are not good. Which is too bad because and that's that is the thing. Yeah, it's a lot of people are saying like incoherent and convoluted plot. It's like, oh fuck, uh, really? Because they're 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 tying into this. Diana comes in to deal with Batman versus Superman, and like, uh, I don't think they have in their in their stable a filmmaker who is able to deal with the complicated and convoluted mess that is Diana's storyline. But it doesn't have to be in their stable. They can pick whoever the fuck they want. Exactly. Find a brilliant female director and say, listen, we need somebody to bring this character to life, new life, rebirth, do whatever the hell you want. Run with it. But that's not what's happening. It's not happening. Like, yeah, it's you know what it's taking too long for Marvel to get its shit together for the Carol Danvers movie, but I don't. But they have one a little bit of credit and two a lot of baggage to deal with. With with Wonder Woman, they got nothing but baggage at this point, and they're gonna like 
I'm not going to be forgiving because it's Wonder Woman. Like, but the no, bag, I don't. I, I disagree. I don't think the baggage means anything at this point because so many times they're just completely rebooting it and rewriting it the oh. way that they want. So I don't think that that counts anymore. I think it's just bad decisions being made. I, I and by baggage in this particular case, I, I literally mean the sopping pile of shit that is Man of Steel. Oh, and okay, okay, the yeah, okay. Sewers gotcha. that is Batman versus Superman. Like, yeah, no, you're right. Like, they can just pick one thread of Diana's origin story and run with it and make a movie out of it, which, you know what? I'm not going to demand that you pull a Gail Simone Wonder Woman or a Rucka Wonder Woman. I'm going to demand you get a Wonder Woman who is, you know, a boss. That's it. She is true to that part of her character. You can't do that. Let it go. Like, they're just... They are the Warner Brothers. I think all they see is the money that Disney makes from the Marvel franchise without like letting the, the, the talent develop without, you know, taking risks. They should be doing something completely different than Marvel is. But they're just trying really, really hard to do Marvel Studios without the work. It, it just I it's right. mind boggling. It, it took, what, seven films to make the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Warner Brothers tried to do it in two. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That's the big problem is they, they see the end game and are trying to get exactly there. Whereas I, it has almost as much to do with luck as it does with planning for Marvel to be in the situation they're in. Like right. everything worked out. Because let's be honest, like the first Captain America, the first Thor, the, especially the second Iron Man, not great movies, entertaining, did a lot of things right, but they managed to catch on with an audience that that's what made the Avengers the big hit that it was. Yes, it was a crossover, but it was a crossover built on critical, not necessarily critical, but success among the moviegoers that they Warner Bros. doesn't want to show their work. They just want to, yeah, here's the answer. Well, how'd you get there? I don't fucking know. We hired Zack Snyder to do it. Right. Let's move I, on to yeah. Suicide Squad. You brought that up too. Yeah. Again, watch the extended version of this, which meant a lot more Joker, which is not a good thing. Oh, oh, oh. You want to talk about bad casting? Lex is nothing compared to Jared Leto as the Joker. Doesn't even come close. And when you're watching. I can't even even try to think about defending that. Oh, (laughs) when you look at the extended stuff with him as well, again, it was one of those, okay, it makes a little bit more sense now at least, but it's not good. In fact, it just made it worse because it's like <laughs> these scenes were horrific. It was, again, not just groan worthy. You're like cringing at some of the stuff going, oh, my God. He thought he was doing something like fucking Joker <laughs> from the Nolan movies. Like he probably thought, hey, I'm reinventing it and it's going to be crazy and wild and fun and great. No, no, no. It's going down as one of the, the worst Jokers I've ever seen. It was horrific absolutely horrible and then the problem with the movie as well is that and i found this in both cuts that you really know who the front runners are in terms of the cast who was making the most amount of money because they spend a crap load of time on at the beginning on will smith's character and then on margot robbie's character very little time on everybody else. And so you have like these minutes long fucking time 
for the 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 scenes with Will Smith and, and with Margot, and then you're like the other stuff is like rush, 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 rush. Okay, let's move on now. And you go like, Which, really? Like since it, when is Deadshot the lead character here? Makes and not no only sense. That, each one of the characters got like three separate introductions. You had like the flashback to them in prison and then reintroducing them at the the briefing with the NSA or whoever the hell it was. Then reintroducing them again when they're finally getting to get like one is good. <laughs> it, 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 oh God. <laughs> the only thing with that movie, of course, which everybody can agree on, was Margot Robbie's character, uh, or Harley Quinn. Was, uh, I, I, I liked it. I thought she did a great job. I did. I, I, enough so that the rumors, well, it's not rumors. They're doing the, the, the standalone and uh, it looks like they're going to be doing like her against birds of prey. So it was like, oh, cool. If done properly and with very little Joker, <laughs> really like next to no Joker, then, which is going to be hard because it's a fucking Harley Quinn show. I would be behind that. I would look, I would even look forward to watching it because again, I enjoyed her on the screen. Last I heard about the Harley Quinn movie, though, was that they were going to focus a little bit on the Joker and the toxic relationship that's there. Um, but again, which uh, if they can portray it as yeah. a toxic relationship and not some sort of hashtag relationship goals, which right. is how a lot of people seem to interpret that. Sure. But yeah. again, I don't give them the credit to go in that direction. It'll Any depend on who's working on to. it. It'll depend on who's working on it. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Roger. It'll depend on who's working on it because, again, it's it's the potential is there to really no, screw up the it character. Won't. It'll depend on the focus groups going. Yeah, we want to see a oh, Joker romance yeah. story. Yeah, there is that too. Yeah, but because yeah, some of the I scenes with her and, and Joker, you you're like, what the hell? Like, I already know that it's a troubled relationship. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on there. Some of it really, really cool. Cool in terms of, wow, that's dark and really kind of twisted, but very interesting. And we've seen that in in the comics, or not the comics, the animated films as well, Mm -hmm. where it's like, wow, that's like, that's twisted and dark, but interesting and not, um, not sensationalistic either. Whereas this, like the scenes between her and him, especially again, the, the added scenes, you're like, give me a fucking break. This is stupid. And looks like Mel Gibson is in talks to direct the second one, Suicide Squad. Oh, that's jeez. Because apparently anti-Semitic and racist, let's give him a job. <laughs> uh, well, 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 that, I'd like to direct your attention to, to November your present? 11, yeah. uh, November 9th, 2016. Like, that's pretty much what we did here, so... <laughs> Okay, let's move on to the Berlantiverse because that is actually somewhere where we can agree. Fucking rocks. Started off with Arrow, which sure is very moody and and, and emo at times, though it's gotten much better over the years because that started in 2012. But once you really kind of gel with the characters and they've even kind of limited the screen time of certain characters that are annoying kind of thing, then it is fantastic. Flash came afterwards, 2014. Flash, for me, is one of the best shows on TV right now. Uh, agreed. It agreed. is fucking amazing. And the the cast is great. I'm not a huge fan of Candace Patton, Payton. Uh, but other than that, 
Everybody else is great. Legends of Tomorrow is really hit or miss by episode for me. Some are really good. Some are like, uh, I watched it. And then Supergirl is now in the Berlantiverse. Did not start there. First season was a lot cutesier because mm-hmm. of that. Uh, it still does have a lot of, like, you could see it's 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 a teen girl show, essentially, but with a lot of elements that everybody can enjoy. And this season is showing that for sure kind of thing. And those four, especially when they did the crossover, oh, my God, that crossover was like what what I wish crossovers were in comics nowadays. <laughs> because Agreed. it feels like the crossovers from the 80s when I was reading comic books. And for me, that is spectacular. We have dissected those shows, and I actually preferred season one of Supergirl to what I've seen so far of season two because and, – and maybe I, I am totally unshackled, Vince, because here I am being like, this is why I think this is garbage. Um, but it's the, the Guardian storyline. You got to let Wilson, it out, man. Just let it, it out. It's, it's, th- it's therapy. Oh, man. Yeah. Like I feel like I should pay you guys uh, – I'm not kidding. Yeah. Anyway. Um, oh, hold on. Let me like, send you my PayPal information. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's talk about Jimmy Olsen and the Guardian. And they're about to have, a, like, yeah, you know what? The relationship may or may not have worked. But, like, season two opens up with, like, yeah, we're going to hold scrap the entire notion of that. Um, Arrow, for all, its, for all its warts, I love Arrow. I don't care about the warts i think it's fun the last season's ending like i said earlier not a fan but they keep trying and they keep doing stuff and Stephen amell is fun to watch on tv yeah but the flash like the flash um i love that show it is a treat for me i i i think it's i have not it has significantly more hits than misses um i do love uh i could watch just Flash Supergirl crossovers. Oh God, yeah. Any day of the week. Yep. Because the like, Grant Justin and oh my God, I'm forgetting your name. Um, Melissa Benoit. Yeah, Melissa Benoit. She. They can just. They can and just. They could read from the phone book and see like which, who exists in which universe. Right. That would be amazing television for me. That's just so much fun. Um, Legends of Tomorrow. I don't remember exactly when I'm like I'm done. But I was done pretty early on in season one, even though I love Arthur Davil, uh, and I think his um, he's one of my favorite Doctor Who companions, and he was great in the the BBC Broadchurch. Like here is like a really crappy Doctor Who. It just it just didn't work for me. I couldn't couldn't stomach it. I'm just I'm like there's too much other stuff that I need to be doing. This I can't even keep on in the background if I'm doing something else. I, so I can't fault you quest, for that. Question can, from somebody who doesn't watch any of the TV shows, not not for lack of wanting to, just lack of A, TV, B, time, and C, <laughs> needing to catch up on several seasons of everything at this point. Has Legends of Tomorrow had Booster Gold in it at all? No. All right. Well, let me know when that happens. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Because I like, think he, he is essential to that show. Because from what just... little bit I have seen of Legends of Tomorrow, I'll agree it's not oh. good. But I just love it for the fact that it exists and it's their place to just do big, crazy, stupid shit and be able to get away with it. See, with Legends of Tomorrow, it is, again, like I said, it it is very much hit or miss for us because you'll get some episodes that are 
spectacular. And then you get some that is like, eh. but the problem is, is that they took a lot of characters from be it Arrow or Flash that weren't necessarily the strongest ones. Obviously, otherwise they would have stayed on Arrow or Flash. And they just kind of went and did this show. So, again, the characters aren't the strongest to begin with. So then it it's very reliant then on a very good script. And some of them are great. Some of them I watched around the time of your election and were profoundly moving. Like one of them, they went back to a time and um, – there was a lot having to do with slavery, with various parts of racism, um, rising above it, all kinds of different stuff. And we finished watching that episode and it was, I can't remember if it was right before or right after the election. And it was like, holy shit, that, that hit way too close to home. Because we were watching this to zone out and not think about the mess that the world is in. And it was just like, holy shit, like people have not learned. This is the same fucking thing is happening now. So again, you have these profound episodes, but on average, not anywhere near as good. So for us, Legends of Tomorrow is one of those where it's queued up, ready for us to watch when we've run out of everything else, essentially, which is why we're several episodes behind right now. Did you guys ever watch the TV show Alias? Yes. Mm-hmm. Victor Garber as oh, his he's dad. Yeah. Loved him. He's the best part of uh, Legends of Tomorrow for me. Next to the Adam, like I love uh, also one of the best parts of the last crossovers. Like, yeah, he looks just like my cousin. That was so funny. That was amazing. <laughs> that was such a great nod. And there, I could see there being good parts to it. And like, if you're going like, to, if there's an episode where a, a mass market TV show is, is going to try to address racism, like, at this point, I'm willing to like give you the benefit of the doubt um, and see how you how you deal with it because I think that's that's doing something way more than a lot of um, a lot of other pop culture things. And I have a, a huge soft spot for that kind of stuff. Um, but for, for for me, like, give me the Flash any day of the week. Like, I, there's there's something just about. The chemistry on that show, how they all work together. Um, Joe was my favorite uh, uh, part from the Law and Order TV shows, and uh, I have a weird relationship to Law and Order TV shows. Um, like it sounds weird, but Dick Wolf, um, according to family sources, Dick Wolf got a lot of his inspiration by working with Cook County and their public defender's office and their state's attorney's office before fucking off to New York, and. Uh, my father, who was a public defender at the time, had nothing but disdain for Dick Wolf and called him the worst hack he has ever met in a room full of hacks. So, but Joe was great. I love him. I, I would watch everything he could do. And the fact that they give him an opportunity to sing. Yeah. Oh, like, dude, that man can flash sing. Stuff. Holy shit. Now, that being said, they're planning another crossover, which, yay, but it's going to be a singing one because a bunch of them are from Glee. And it's like, oh, Six. I hate that. One of the ones that I actually like in The Flash is freaking Tom Cavanaugh because he has oh, yeah. now played multiple versions of himself <laughs> and he's so different in each one and fantastic in each one as well. Like his current H.R. <laughs> Wells 
is amazing. He is hysterical. You believe him in the role. He, for me, is one of the highlights of the show. Every scene he's in, he he steals. He's so fucking good. For Supergirl, like you were saying, one of the things that I liked about Supergirl right from the get-go was that it was Supergirl. And you had a female character that was going to be leading this. And then you had her sister, who was an important character as well. When John Jones came up, I was initially a little, I want it to be about a female character, not her having a male boss. But then that character turned out to be phenomenal. Plus, Mm -hmm. great actor, person of color. Okay, fine, we're good. And then you had the surrounding cast as well. But then in this season, you're getting a lot more of the other male alien now that she's training. Then you've got the Guardian. Then you've got uh, Wynn. And then you've got, um, who's the other one? Uh, Superman, who's been there more. And there's now there's a lot of other people who are crowding in on a Supergirl show. That, to me, is one of the things that I don't like about what's happening. That is definitely a mark uh, against the show. Like um, Shannon and I, uh, for those who don't know, she is my lovely wife. We watch uh, we watch her shows together. It's one of our bonding moments. And she doesn't watch Flash. She doesn't watch Arrow. But we watch Supergirl together. And, like, I'm telling you, when in season one where Kara grabs the plane and it and it does the same thing as it does in that Batman Superman, Superman animated feature – I lost my shit. I was <laughs> giggling. I was so happy. And like, I'm like, oh, they, they're getting it. Um, and I don't mind Superman being in a Supergirl show. I especially don't mind the way it was, you know, towards the end of season one where, yeah, Clark thinks of himself as more human. That's why the, the weird technology works on him. Like, yeah, okay, on one hand, oh, that's ridiculous. On the other hand... That says so much about who Superman is, and that's what I want from this show. I don't want a lot. I, I just need a little bit. Um, and considering that we had, you know, watched Man of Steel recently when um, Teen Wolf actor covers the family to protect them from the bullets and then winks at them, like, okay, again, they're getting it. But if you're going to crowd out Kara, like, and if you're going to have her date Space Frat Boy, like, I, what, what? I don't understand. Why are you doing this? Like Jimmy Olsen running a Fortune 500 company in a different universe, I, that is an interesting story to me. Jimmy Olsen as the Guardian who throws his shield, come on now. You are you are literally saying we want some of that sweet, sweet Steve Rogers money. And I mm, – no. Um, I'm not going to disagree with you. There, There's a lot of decisions that I'm not agreeing with. That said, still enjoying it. I still oh, yeah. enjoy it, and it's still a lot better than, say, Legends of the Tomorrow or some of the yeah. other shows. It's just disappointing that they're taking this route with some of it. Did you watch a lot of Gotham? No. That's one of the shows that we tried to watch. We watched, watched about the six. commercials. Yeah, I yeah. watched about six of them, and then we <laughs> gave up on it. But I heard it gets substantially better. My and, comic book guy says it's it, it gets good. Yeah, and that's so. like Constantine too, which is no longer running. But we tried to watch that. We watched maybe a half dozen, and then kind of called it quits on that one. I um, I am interested in like maybe going back and watching Gotham, uh, like when it's when it ends. See, if, you know, to see if it actually like 
if they actually like, it doesn't get canceled because of bad ratings, but like they say, yeah, that's it. We're going out after this one. I might want to stream and catch up, but right now, it's right now, I'm it. more interested in like Young Justice season three than I am in. Oh God, yeah. Um, because like I and and like now that I know what's coming, there's going to be a season three. I'm going to watch all of Young Justice. It's um, a good show. It is. It's uh, a really well done show. The problem, the problem is since seasons one and two are already there, I'm like, I have a lot of stuff that I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and it's all going to get put to the side because like, well, no, my shows are on and they're streaming and I need to watch them all right now. (laughs) Did you watch, uh, powerless yet? No. And I, it's on my list that, and we're not talking about Legion, but they're on my list, but I've heard. I mean, I really want, like, Chicago's very own Danny Pudi has a new show. I want to go see the show. Um, Alan Tudyk, I want to see the show. Uh, yeah, we love them problem. both as well. And we watched the first episode. We'll watch the other ones and see if it gets better. But wow. that's what That was my wife's take. As soon as it was done and I turned it off, she went, well, maybe it gets better. <laughs> that's not oh. what you want to hear <laughs> at the end of a show. Let's move on to the animated stuff because I think we can all agree, with with the exception of like the Flash for for me especially, the animated stuff is just is still spectacular. And I'll touch on Lego Batman later. Obviously not for long because you two didn't see it, but the one that I loved so much that I saw recently was Justice League Dark. Um, I adored this film. Now it's not without its issues either. There's definitely some problems. Vince, you had mentioned voice acting. I agree. While some of it is really good, some of it is really lacking. But it more than makes up with it for it in terms of the screenplay, in terms of some of the character choices that they made. And like I've said time and time again, we need a buddy cop type show with Constantine and Batman. Because when you're constantly getting that Batman, hmm. Whenever something goes wrong, it's like, oh, God, we need this. We, we need a oh. lot more of this. So I, I rented this the other day in preparation for tonight, and I wrote that in my notes. Like, <laughs> legit, buddy cop, Constantine, <laughs> yep. Batman. Yeah. Yes. Um, like, did you, either of you guys, either of you guys big Hellblazer fans when it was on in Vertigo? Uh, at early on, and then I skipped, like, 150 issues, and I really got back into it before it got canceled. Yeah, the the Garth Ennis and Warren Ellis runs are on that book are you know defining features of comic book dumb. Like the Garth Ennis run is just so amazing. Um, Rake at the Gates of Hell, uh, all of that. Like and the short-lived Constantine TV show, like it was very up and down. But Matt Ryan is as close as you're going to get to John Constantine as you would to 1980s Sting, right? Like, Gordon Sumner was supposed to be John Constantine. According to Ellen Moore, that's who, like, that's the John Constantine he talked to in the pub, which is, have you heard the story? This is really weird. Like, Ellen Moore claims that he met John Constantine in real life. Like, I believe Ellen Moore would tell that story. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But... Matt Ryan is so good. And I remember talking, um, it's another comic book uh, podcast called Comic Book Queers. And I was talking about like defending Constantine because they were totally leaving the door open for him to be bisexual because he was never 
confirming one way or the other where he flew, where, which way he, wh who his partners were. Um, we're not going to get that in the animated show, I don't, I don't think. But Justice League Dark was, for me, an incredibly fun way, a fun movie to watch. I thought it, like... There's some weird stuff that I'm like, I don't know why John Constantine lives in the house of mystery. That's a nice nod to the vertigo line, but like, I don't, I don't get it. Um, but Batman and John Constantine, at first I was irritated that Batman's involved, but like one, you need Batman as the anchor, but two, that was like, now that I've seen that, I want to see more of that. Well, he's, like, he's the, the comic relief. He's a straight man. And yeah. so that's why it fits. That's the other thing. Like when you – people are always saying like, why put freaking Batman in everything? Well, in a case like this, you need him in that group because he is our anchor where normal people can relate through him for all of the magical bullshit that's happening around. And so he, right. he acts as that medium for us and it just happens that he does it so fucking well. <laughs> He's just right. a fantastic really character, the foil for Constantine, and I freaking love that. It's because they balance each other out so well. Yeah. Like, yeah, Constantine with, like, the weird magic pulling, you know, solutions out of your ass stuff, whereas Batman is grounded in reality and science. But not only that, you have their characterizations. You, have, you said Batman's the straight man, Constantine's the wild card. But even beyond that, you have the 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 central part of any good Constantine story is the moral implications that Constantine mm -hmm. will do, do whatever he feels is the best thing in that situation. A for himself, B to, you know, not necessarily save the day, but make sure he gets out alive. And then mm -hmm. how it affects everybody else is tertiary at that point. Whereas Batman has a very clearly defined set of morals, things that are right, things that are wrong. And I think that aspect is where those two characters play off each other the best on top of all the other great stuff. Right. I think that makes them up definitely in this type of new 52 ish kind of world that they built in this, in this generation of animation. Like, yeah, I'm all in favor of it. Also, I like Jason O'Mara. He's not, you know, Kevin Conroy, but you know, I don't mind the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. being Batman. That's mm -hmm. fine with me. Um, Is that who that was? That's cool. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> I love like, him. You know. Yeah. See, that's also why the uh, the dynamic between the two of them worked so great in the Injustice comics. Because in a lot of ways, it inverted that dynamic. Because Batman in Injustice was doing some very un-Batman-like stuff in his pursuit of you know, his, his ideals of justice. Whereas at a lot of times, Constantine was the one looking at him going... You can't do that shit. That's not right. So it having the relationship as it as it stands here in Justice League Dark and then seeing an inversion of it in those comics like it these two characters just need to always be together. Yeah. 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 I I want to see Constantine dressed up in a Robin costume now. <laughs> <laughs> there is Actually, if that would be funny if Z Zatanna was the one who did that <laughs> a spell on him. That would be hysterical. Somebody could. Somebody should commission someone to draw that. Like someone, I would love to see that happen. Um, By the way, if say, you like uh, oh. Jason Amaro, you should watch if you haven't already. Life on Mars. It's oh, the the, the the BBC version or the, the no, remake? No, the remake, the, which was <laughs> the one that he's in. Because I don't think he's in the BBC one. No. But no, he stars in the the American one. Really, really yeah. good. That's he's great. I want to see that. Did either of you watch Batman the Killing Joke? 
No, and I'm no, not. I, exactly. No. Like, I saw everything that was going on with it. I saw some excerpts of the movie, and that's more than enough because no thank you. See, I I watched it. I watched it after Justice League Derek, and it was specifically for this because otherwise I was not going to watch it. Mm-hmm. The Killing Joke has always been one of those comics for me that I don't understand why it's as popular as it is. Um, yeah. I, I, I get to a certain degree the type of person who would like it. I get to a certain degree the that certain elements of the story, certainly, that people like. However, I found that this animated film, more so than the comic actually, really brought to light the things that bothered me immensely, immensely about the story, let alone the sexual assault. Because as we've made clear on... Every one of our podcasts, if there's one thing that I hate, I mean, and this was more alluded to, although there's a lot of scenes like when he's torturing um, Jim, sending him through a funhouse kind of area where there's splashes of pictures taken while he was assaulting her. So of like Barbara's various body parts and different things, you're going, holy fuck. But take that completely out. Which, I mean, is saying a lot because that is a lot. <laughs> in it. Ignoring the giant sexual assaults. Yeah, ignore story. that even. Which, because, let's be honest, that's going to titillate a lot of young idiots who are into mm-hmm. that. And that's, I'm quite certain, part of the popularity of this is mm-hmm. it titillates assholes. But let's just take that out and look at it just from a the standpoint of let's just analyze the logistics of the story to make see if it makes sense and it works so when you're again you, it's it's a lot easier to see this when you're watching the animated film because of the pacing and you don't have control over it like if you take longer to read a page or whatever so it's all just running around so here's again he's gotten close to her um batman much closer at this point, because they they do have sex, and then and and obviously still cares a great deal about her, she is assaulted. He knows the extent to which she was assaulted. He sees what is going on with Jim, literally stripped naked and put in a cage and tortured. And yet, moments later, we're not talking hours here. Moments later, when he beats the Joker, Joker tells him a joke that, let's be honest, not that good. And he laughs. Now, I can appreciate, okay, well, he's kind of, the steam is, he's finally letting go of some steam and he's he's just kind of breaking down in that moment. But that's not the character. And and again, you have to look at, it was literally moments of go that he spoke to Barbara, found out about the sexual assault, saw Jim in a cage, naked, being tortured, and then laughs at a Joker joke. And you're going like, it makes fucking sense. Let's, again, remove the horrific aspects of the story, just the logistics of would this, could this happen? And it's just is horrible. It's just like, this makes no fucking sense. He wouldn't be laughing at a joke. He'd be pummeling the shit out of him to the point of potentially killing him. And it just does not work. Yeah. Like he would, um, I'll make another daredevil reference. Like, you know, He'll live. He'll be in a coma, but he'll live, right? Like, that's just – like, there's an argument that Grant Morrison made 
about the Killing Joke, and from what I recent, I read something about like I didn't know that Grant Morrison and Ellen Moore like they. I, I always knew that they were unfriendly, but like they literally hate each other. Oh like, my god! Like it's there's they're arch enemies. Yeah. Um. So Morrison writes about it. How like oh yeah, at the end of the Killing Joke, Batman kills the Joker, and mm-hmm. uh, it's all off screen, but like it's totally there. And I think that that argument was made just to piss off Ellen Moore, but like. If Bratman's going to break his code, like, and I know we've talked about it earlier in the show, like, you have to say to true to the code. There, again, if you're going to, like, stay true to the code to break it at a point within the story because that's how the story goes, I got no problem with it. That's, that's, you know what? If you, you tell the same story over and over and over again and the code is always intact, that's boring. Um, you have to play with, you play with that boundary by either crossing it or fudging it or breaking it you, you that's what you do um in given how like i spent a while since i read the killing joke um and i wasn't gonna, i'm not gonna watch it like I, I don't know if you guys i i've I worked with you know sexual abusers for a very long time in my life i don't want to do that again um well, I, yeah no, no i'm I, not gonna read that book i wouldn't like i wouldn't suggest no. anybody read it and the thing is is going off of what you're saying Breaking character is not the issue that I have with this necessarily yeah. kind of thing because they could make it where, okay, we want to do a really hard-hitting Batman story where he there are some things that are broken that never happened before. Okay, fine. But don't make it this. Like, I mean, again, looking at the story logistically, you have Jim who sees his daughter get attacked before he is shot, uh, uh, abducted. I can't remember, he's not shot at the... No, he's not. He's just beaten the shit out of and then taken away but sees what is happening to his daughter after he sees her get shot. And then when he's taken to the funhouse, sees the pictures. Now, at this point, he is naked, beaten, being dragged through this 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 amusement park ride and seeing pictures of his daughter being sexually assaulted. And yet when Batman shows up, he's saying, bring him in the right way. Don't kill him. And it's like, nope, nope, nope. Yeah, I would no. talk to any father out there. Forget about just the average guy kind of thing. Any father out there. I don't know a single one of them that their daughter is sexually assaulted that they would not say, you kill that motherfucker. You you see him, I don't care how you do it or whatever, you kill him. And that's yeah. not what happens. So you're breaking the wrong rules in the story to titillate your audience versus producing a dramatic piece of of a Batman story that could have a profound impact on the culture. Go ahead, Vince. Uh, no, go, no, go ahead, Marty, because mine is more of a, a big picture thing to say. <laughs> You know, I Marty doesn't work whole... in big pictures. No, I no, no. Um, I just when we're talking about this, I'm just why are they changing the story where Bat, where Bruce and Babs have a sexual relationship? Like that's just I don't understand why you would do that either. Well, okay, so here here's the thing then. So I was one of those people who did really enjoy the Killing Joke, and this was you know a while ago when I was less you know, aware of, you know, what a lot of the stuff in that meant. Like, this is saying like a long time ago, you know, six, eight years ago, like I've changed as a person, I've matured, I've grown. I, I now can recognize what the, 
the book represents overall in addition to just being, you know, a character study of Batman and the Joker and their relationship. So, like, I don't, you know, feel as strongly about it now as I did back then when I thought it was one of the best Batman stories ever. So seeing that with the killing joke, they, they made such a big deal out of, okay, yes, there was some deeply problematic stuff in the comic and they went so far as to say in the movie, they're going to change that and give Batgirl more agency. Like, I, I believe that's the exact words they use, which is the exact opposite of anything that Barbara did here because all of the the terrible stuff from the original graphic novel is here cranked up a couple degrees and there even the, the that prologue stuff that you said with her relationship with Batman she had very little agency there as well like she acted upon you know her feelings but it was still pretty much entirely a Batman story like it was all about how Batman was reacting to the relationship with Barbara you know it, it was so like fantasy wish fulfillment stuff of oh yes the oh, beautiful yeah. Batgirl is pining over me it, it's it was so oh. troubling and then because they they also made a big deal out of this is going to be an R-rated animated film and we now see why it was R-rated because it was just TNA and sex like and that's why I was actually very hesitant to watch Justice League Dark until you recommended it Roger because that was also R-rated and I was like well I saw what they did with the last R-rated DC animated movie, so I don't want to touch this, but seeing what they did with that rating in Justice League Dark, like, it wasn't titillation. Like, you had Zatanna, but Zatanna always looks like that. It was more thematic, like, you know, a cop shooting somebody because he thinks they're a villain. Like, it wasn't gratuitous. It was more just troubling stuff that fit into the story. So, like, comparing how they handled that rating between the two movies, it's like night and day, it's just they wanted to drum up all this interest and controversy and what have you just to try and make this a thing because Warner Brothers, DC Animated, whoever the fuck is in charge of these things, knew releasing an R-rated version of an animated film was going to severely impact their financial success. Like more so than an R-rated movie, an R-rated animated movie, you're forget about it. Like just look at uh, the Batman Beyond stuff, Return of the Joker, the the R-rated cut of that compared to the PG thirteen cut. Great. <laughs> yes. See that's why but when you when you're talking to about the PG thirteen cut because they knew they were not oh, yeah, going yeah. to make any money with the R-rated cut. See the stuff with Barbara and Batman didn't bother me nearly as much because I remembered the stuff from Batman Beyond. Where well, she yeah, does sure. talk but, about their relationship and how some of it Batman was not Beyond, good. But in Batman Beyond, the way they discussed it was as Barbara's story. Yes. Yeah. And here, all it does oh. is further enhance I agree. the 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 stakes for Batman and the culminating scene. It's now it now it's not just Joker assaulted his friend protege, etc. Barbara Gordon, Batgirl. Joker has now messed with his property is how a lot of the the animated version reads now. Oh yeah, like I I you get through halfway uh, through the the killing joke the, the 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 animated film and it's like it's all fucking Batman. I was like I know it's been a while since I read the comic but what the hell is going on? And it's not until the second half of the film where you're like oh, okay this feels a lot more like the comic now for better or for worse worse obviously so but yeah no it's uh again a lot of bad things now that said let's move on to another one that, that was not bad did either of you watch bad blood batman bad blood 
No, no, not yet. And here, here's the other thing prior to Killing Joke. We've come to expect such a level of quality from the DC animated movies that, mm -hmm. like, I remember when every time a new one came out, it was like an event. Like, oh, the new DC animated movie is here. I'm, I've got to watch it. You know, uh, what was it Red Hood and like all the ones they released? You years go back ago. to Mask of the Phantasm. Fantastic. Yeah, Mask of the Phantasm. But so it oh, just got to the God. point where it's like, oh, another DC animated movie is out. I'm sure it's great. I'll catch it when it's on Netflix. So I kind of skipped a few. Right. Yeah. Bad blood is actually, helping you. They, they, be, they became they became victims of their own success. I think. Yeah, Batman Bad Blood was actually really good because there's very little Batman in it. It's Batwoman being introduced, and then a lot of stuff with Dick Grayson and with uh, well with what the fuck's his name the the kid um, Damien Damien. Which yeah, but he's not absolutely horrible in this and he's not the center of the story but uh but no bad blood was actually really good and well you gotta love it because it had a couple of firefly alumni in it as well <laughs> so i like that voicing but uh but no bad blood was really good same as i enjoyed uh, justice league versus teen titans had some good stuff as well uh, not spectacular but it was it was good i i enjoyed it a lot and uh, the new justice league action um, animated series while a little bit more geared for a, a much younger audience than, say, the Justice League Unlimited was, it's still a lot of fun to watch. And it helps, of course, that Kevin Conroy is Batman. I mean, as soon as you <laughs> slap him in there, you've given the whatever the film is or TV show a lot more credence. So yep. like, there are a lot of good ones still out there. I I went through a period where I was – actually, this is from grad school. Like I would have on – Netflix and I would stream um, everything DCU I could uh, to you know help me concentrate. It was weird. I have to watch something to concentrate. It doesn't make sense, but that's how it works. And I watched like the Green Arrow short uh, that was uh, where he and the other Archer get into a fight while he's picking up um, Black Canary from from the airport was so stylized and so 70s but still modern was so great um the shazam uh anything with the with billy batson the way dc animated handles shazam was stunning and uh the is probably the worst companion track we've ever done at all comics um we watched mask of the phantasm and it's awful because we're just like this movie is so good shut up we're watching the movie so <laughs> like the Mask of the Phantasm fantastic. is like my favorite Batman movie. It's amazing. Like, hands down. Then the fact that, like, um, second you know, to Batman 66. I have not seen. Oh, oh, oh. Mother. If either of you gentlemen are in Chicago, we will go to my watering hole uh, where they have, on occasion, they just play Batman 66 in the corner of the bar and just let it go. Um, you have now given me a reason to go to Chicago. Uh, Are you um, kidding? I've, I've heard from someone fairly important who said Chicago is horrible right now. Everybody's killing everybody. There's, there's like <laughs> yeah, but eighty percent of them are gone. So yeah, like there's like ninety percent mortality rate right now in Chicago. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, man, <laughs> listen, you both have to go see the freaking Lego Batman movie. Oh, totally. Because like, I, I was going to see it this weekend until I found out I had to work on Monday. Oh, so. my oh. God, it was good. Voice acting is amazing. Will Arnett as Batman is 
I mean, second only to Kevin Conroy, in my opinion. He does mm-hmm. it so well. Michael Sarah as Dick Grayson was great. Rosario Dawson was amazing as Babs. Like she just, I was oh, initially, I'm trying to play some voice, it. the voice. And then it's like, oh my God, that's freaking Rosario. So she's actually done both sides now, Marvel and DC. Oh uh, man. Uh, Ray Fiennes is oh, uh, Alfred. Yeah. Oh. I, it, it, the only one that was kind of like, eh, Zach Galifianakis as a Joker is like kind of, eh, okay. Well, that's, that's kind of how you sum up Zach Galifianakis' career is, eh. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> eh, not horrible, but certainly could have been a little bit more Hamill. But, uh, but and, yeah. Eddie Izzard is Voldemort, yeah, right? Yeah, I know. Eddie Izzard is. Oh they had freaking God. Ray Fiennes was in the show, but he was Pennyworth <laughs> Alfred instead of Voldemort. I mean, you got Seth Green, Conan O'Brien, freaking Billy D. Williams is in this. Like, Mariah Carey is voice. They, well, they can't all be winners. Yes, they, there's a ton oh, of people in this. But story-wise, oh, like... I, I'm quite certain you guys loved the Lego movie as much as I did. Oh, like, yeah. just oh totally. Such I, a, yeah. Not just in terms of, wow, this was really great, a lot of fun and all that. But when you analyze what is being said in the story, like, holy fuck, this is deep mm-hmm. for parents to watch. This one has elements of that. It's not nearly as deep kind of thing. But all of the elements that we make fun of in Batman movies of, okay, well, it's been five minutes. We're going to see the death scene with the Waynes anytime. Oh, there it is. Well, <laughs> they handled it a little bit differently here. And it, and it is a large part of the movie of that him trusting and wanting to be a part of a family again. Whereas in the films, you never get that because he's always going to be brooding. He's always going to be Batman here you have him finally give in to it. And it's that that release that you don't get at the end of a Batman movie. That feel-good moment of, yay, they're all a family and having fun kind of thing. And kicking it. And freaking <laughs> Alfred is in a, like, 60s-era Batman costume. <laughs> nice. Kicking ass and taking names at the end with everybody else. So, I... Oh. Adore like this is a Blu-ray purchase the moment it comes out. Just not because A, I want to watch it again, but also I need to see all of the background stuff going on here. <laughs> I would love to see some of the voice actors to see if they actually work together in any way, shape, or form. Because they don't do it often, but in some cases they do. They do, and with Will Arnett and Michael Sarah knowing each other from Arrested Development, it stands to reason that maybe they did actually film some of it together or record, I should say, some together. And if so, I need to see those scenes. But I, uh, I know Will Arnett was on um, was, uh, was on Colbert the other night uh, talking about you know promotional stuff for it, and he mentioned about how it was recorded and like his his two sons were in the recording studio with him, and they are voice acting some of the orphans in the movie. Oh, so that's that awesome. alone makes me want to see that. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, the scene at the orphanage is hysterical. Oh my god! Because again, here's a movie that's dealing with orphanage. Uh, uh, being an orphan with with starting with a new family, <laughs> having multiple dads, which was funny too, <laughs> and, and all these <laughs> other things, and all of the moments that you get in Batman movies between Alfred and Bruce, because that is his family. Those have the potential to be profoundly impactful or just throwaways, which is what we saw in Batman v Superman 
which was there were kind of little moments where it was like, oh, that could be good if it they kind of played off it a little bit more. But no, they're not because it's not important to the story. Whereas we saw a lot more of that with Kane in the Nolan films, which I liked. And here you're Ooh. getting those moments where where there's the the the, the conversations between – Alfred and Bruce that even though they're fucking little Legos, you're like, that was touching. That was, well, before he kicked them, you know, <laughs> when he kicked them into the piano, not as touching, but the moments after were really touching <laughs> kind of thing. And <laughs> so worth seeing. So like lay down money, go see this without a doubt. Like excellent stuff. Coming down yeah. the pipe, we're looking at uh, Black Adam movies going to be coming out with The Rock. Green Lantern Corps, which they're saying is going to be kind of like a buddy cop movie. That's got me interested. The obvious Wonder Woman, the obvious Justice League, which you're a little concerned about that. And then Flash. And I'm a lot concerned. Yeah, about no kidding. That. Yeah. And there's a Black Lightning TV show coming as well, which is going to be interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I don't know if it's going to be animated, though, or if that's going to be part of the Berlanti verse or i don't know I'm how pretty it's, sure it's live action yeah is it oh because they were talking, they were about, talking the, about casting yeah casting it's a full black cast obviously and uh and it's not a young superhero because he's like a middle-aged dude so i'm looking forward to that so i don't know if there's any of those that you guys are really actually really looking forward to or just eh, when they come out <laughs> not really but i do want to know one thing is static shock streaming anywhere because every time I caught a glimpse of Static Shock and he's established and he's in Batman Beyond and in Justice League Unlimited, like, is it streaming? Because that show, like, has a lot to – and I think that um, right now that's something I would totally love to stream in between, you know, Justice uh, – between um, that other show, Young Justice. I didn't even is know it, that was still running, actually. So that's not for me. Not, but it's, it's not, but I don't know where it, it, it was an amazing show. Uh, I think it, it looks like it's available through Amazon Video. Oh, I have an Xbox. That's fine. I just, I just remembered that I, I can watch videos on my Xbox. So. <laughs> yeah, it's Static four Shock seasons. was a show I didn't appreciate at the time, mm-hmm. but looking back at it, I realized just how important it was. Like, you know, I, I it was on I was in college, I think, at the time it was on. And so, like, I was running around doing a lot of other stuff. But like every time I caught a glimpse, I'm like, this show seems awesome. I should watch more. And now that I have a Netflix subscription and I, we have Amazon Prime, I'm going to go check that out. Like, it seems like something we should be watching more of because, like, I, I don't know, like it was such a, an amazing addition to Justice League Unlimited that like um, and Batman and, you know. Batman Beyond eventually. I just would like to see more of it. Yeah, I remember watching it with the kids because this was uh, 2000 to 2004, so we watched it with the kids. But uh, I'd have to watch it again because I don't remember it being, again, anywhere near on par with Justice League or Justice League Unlimited or Batman Beyond because those to us were like on another level. Like Batman Beyond, Samurai Jack, all of those. Static Shock was clearly made as a kid's show. Whereas all the others were, you know, intended for all audiences, but they had those mature elements to them. Yeah. Like even the, the Superman and Batman, the original animated series, like obviously the Batman one, but even Superman, like had a certain like weight to it. But Static Shock was definitely more for a younger audience. But 
I think that's also a benefit to the character of you know, the whole concept is, you know, he's in a lot of ways, he's DC Spider-Man of growing up yeah. and learning yeah. about responsibility yeah. and that sort of stuff. Well, at the time that he came out too, though, he wasn't nearly as well known either. That was one of the mm-hmm. other reasons why as we were watching it, the kids didn't know the character as much because you really, I, I don't know when he was introduced I would assume it was around the same time because I, again, it was not nearly as well known. Yeah, I want to say late '90s, early 2000s. So okay, so it was oh, it wow. was not long before the animated series came out. Yeah, yeah. All right, parting yeah. thoughts, Marty. Parting thoughts, like I think um, on the animated side, DC's just got so much to offer, and I'm just really disappointed in their anything other than the Berlanti verse right now. Like I am not, I have no hope for Wonder Woman, none. Oh, that's too bad. Um, and, and I'm in, and I'm dreading justice league. <laughs> that's how, that's, that's where I'm at. But like, I think like when it comes to the animated stuff, like you, you, you gotta go live action to find anything better than mask of the phantasm. And even then good luck. You're well, up it, against a juggernaut. It's kind of like so. the Flashpoint stuff. The animated Flashpoint was actually pretty good. Like, we mm-hmm. enjoyed it. And it's the same thing. We talked about Flashpoint on Comic Book Performer to no end. Extensive. Loved it until the end. Hated the ending. But, man, did we ever love all the other stuff. And that's what I found with, with this as well. Like, Really liked it, but then when you looked at what they did when they announced Flashpoint for the Flash, I was like, "Oh my god, we're gonna have a season of crossovers, crazy ass shit on other worlds, everything else." No, it was like one episode, and I was like, "Oh, you yeah. motherfuckers! Like, come on, <laughs> talk about a wasted opportunity." So no, it's the as much as I like the Berlanti verse, man, it's the animated series. Uh, excuse me, animated films and series that time after time are the one, with the exception of the fucking killing joke, that are the ones that impress me and 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 have that lasting effect as well. Yep, one hundred percent agree. Okay, Vince, parting thoughts. Uh, not to just reiterate what you guys said because I I agree altogether, but looking at the movie side of things, it's just like where where is that one you know glimmer of hope like wonder woman the trailers <laughs> have some aspects but it's i still look at it as not hey maybe they'll get it right as far as okay how are they going to fuck it up uh, justice league has the the i just despise every single thing i've seen about it like the tone like it just doesn't work for me at any level like i still hate ezra miller as the flash like that's Ugh. not that's not Barry by any stretch of the imagination and it's just I I, I even want I, I want to point at like Black Adam and what they're doing with him and Shazam and like because it's The Rock like how can you make you know a bad movie with The Rock he's just naturally charismatic but at the same time can he have that that gravitas that Black Adam needs like Black Adam is a badass dude like I, I think casting The Rock is smart for some reasons because you want that glimmer of like relatability and likability to Black Adam because he's really convinced of his own heroism, which is like the most interesting aspect of that character. But it's just I, yeah, but I'm going to have to see it. If we <laughs> if we learned anything from Moana, 
he can play that character who thinks I, he's I have in the not seen Moana. So. Well, you didn't because she won't let you, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's actually a really good show. And he plays this kind of demigod who thinks he's mm-hmm. doing the right thing, but keeps fucking everything up. And so that's basically Black Adam. So it's just like every, every time we see a glimmer of like hope on the horizon, like, you know, some, like I said, parts of Wonder Woman, like, even the end of Batman versus Superman, like Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, like in the battle scenes, pretty great. The rest of it, you know, better left unsaid at this point. So yeah. I keep looking for the high points and the things to be interested in. And I just, I don't think I'm ever going to stop. Like, I, because I, I want it to be good. Like, I'm not even a big DC fan. By any stretch of the imagination. I, I, I'm just like you, Marty. I bleed Marvel. But I also know that competition is a good thing. Like, the better Warner Brothers does with their movies, the better Marvel has to do with their movies and vice versa. Exactly. So, like, I I hate that these Warner Brothers movies are so bad. A, because they're just bad and they're treating the characters improperly. But B, like they bring the entire concept of comic book movies down by oh, yeah. their mere association. Yeah. And it's, it, it's very troubling to me because like, I want to see everything, you know, flourish and be good and be interesting. Like I, I would love for us to do this podcast again in a couple of years and look back and go, it wasn't for me, but it was still a good movie. <laughs> I, I would, oh, I would love be able that. to say that about something that, Warner Brothers and DC put out that you know what I didn't like it but they did a good job that's that that is what I will settle for at this point see when you're talking about that you're you're more a a Marvel fan than a DC fan see I I like them both and for me looking at the Justice League and then the obvious comparison with the Avengers if I'm looking at the start, say, of the Avengers when they're coming together, because that's when it's awesome, when the team is mm-hmm. gelling together and you go like, oh, my God, like these are heroes coming together. We'll never compare to a single fucking scene from the Justice League animated series when they're all meeting together for the first time and deciding they need to work together as a team and Batman takes his call off and says, that's Barry, that's Clark Kent, that's so-and-so. <laughs> and it's like in one scene, they establish this fantastic gelling of a team together. And when you look at them together, forget about apart because that doesn't always work. But together as a team, Flash, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Batman, Superman, works exceptionally well. And we saw that through season after season of Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. And that's what I want to see in the Justice League League live action movie. And if they can accomplish even a fraction of that, which I highly doubt they will, but if they could establish just, again, a fraction of that, it's a win in my opinion. I think we're going to see – I think Justice League uh, is going to be more like Justice League War than it's going to be Justice League or Justice League Unlimited, right? Which that's not good. Um, But I I agree. But I also love love when when the team is so together um, and we don't have time to talk about like 
the problems with the, when you're telling the team story and you feel like the need for the story is to always tear the team apart. But what I love is when the team works together to do something awesome, yeah. like, oh, I don't know, the end of Justice League Unlimited, where we've got the fight between um, Darkseid and Superman and Batman. As long as that man draws breath, I he won't quit, and I won't either. That's what I love yeah. about DC, because they do that shit so well. When and they do on it. the Zack Snyderverse, it's like, as long as that man draws breath, he's a threat, because his mom is also named Martha, and we can't be friends. Like... <laughs> What? Well, no, it's what the opposite different? of that. It's yeah, because the they're they named, but that's why they can be friends. Yeah, yeah, I know, but the, my you, point. You, you can't, no, it doesn't work because you, you So, so when they do their version of Civil War, we find out that, like, <laughs> Bruce is actually adopted and his mom isn't named Martha, and that's what causes the schism in between then the team. Uh, or, like, you know, yeah, well, we can. No, I'm not going to go into the, the the conspiracy theories we can generate versus like there's only one real Martha in the DC, in DC universe. So no, the only one uh, that I'm really excited for actually is the Green Lantern one, the Green Lantern in Corps. concept. Absolutely. Oh man, because if they can. But again, where's where's the faith? Yeah. What, what have they done to build up this goodwill? I agree. I agree. It's I'm looking at it in terms of possibilities. I'm not looking at it in terms of the history of how they fucked up the character, the IP, everything else. I'm just like, put it in good creators' hands and just let them run with it. It's, of all of them, Green Lantern is the property that I think they could have the best success with yeah. as films because A, not as well known of a character as literally mm-hmm. any other member of the Justice League. B, the the just the casting possibilities of the various Green Lanterns. Yeah. You can have a lot of fun dynamics going on here. Like I would, I would actually pay money to see a good Guy Gardner on screen. <laughs> and and third, it's just look at Guardians of the Galaxy. Like it's if you exactly take, it. If you take the concept away from you know Earth and what we know of there, you have literally limitless possibilities, even more so with Green Lanterns, because the entire concept of the characters is limitless possibilities. Like it you'd think it would be impossible to fuck up, but we have evidence of their ability to fuck it up. (laughs) I would oh man. I wish I was a billionaire just so that I could finance that. Uh, Green Lantern Star Trek crossover event that happened <laughs> last year in the comics. Here's here's the crazy thing that I just realized. Like, I actually wish we could go back to the time when the worst thing they did was the Green Lantern movie. Like, this is true. <laughs> if oh, Batman, wow. Superman, yeah. and uh, and all this stuff was as bad as the Green Lantern movie, I would be happy right now. <laughs> and <laughs> that, that would yeah. be an upgrade. <laughs> on that happy note. <laughs> Marty, oh, thank you very much for joining us. It was great Roger, having you on the show. Vince, it's so much fun. So I, I love it. Thank t- you. Tell the folks where they can find you. You can find me at allcomicsconsidered.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play at All Comics Considered. And you can also find us on Twitter at All Comics Cast. You can always find me on Twitter at all uh, at Officer Gleason. And uh I still kind of sort of update the All Comics Cast Tumblr, which you can find us at tumblr.allcomicsconsidered.com. There you go. So, again, thanks for coming on. Really, really do appreciate it. Folks, you can uh, find the show notes at popcornrodan.com. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher. You can find us on Twitter. I am Zen Buddhist. Vince is Simodian. And with that, we will see you guys in a couple of weeks. 
For more movie, TV, and anime reviews, please make sure to stop by popcornronin.com and leave the guys your thoughts in the comments. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.